Welcome to Numbers on the Boards. My name is Bobby Corral. I'm from Mavs.com. This is your weekly Mavs podcast about all things Mavs, music, movies, and way more things to start with the letter M. A little later, we're going to have a guy that puts up huge numbers, Kyle Collinsworth, the newest Maverick. First, it is a guy who puts up even bigger numbers mm. in his rec league. No. It's Jeff Skinway. Man, I'd love to sit here and support that lie, but no, I'm not putting up numbers anymore. I'm putting up gigantic golf scores, and they're supposed to be lower. So oh, that's probably... So 100 is bad. 100's bad. You don't okay. want to do 100. I mix that in every now and then. But man, it's it's great to be back. I, I, got, uh, I know you did too on the Twitters. People were really excited about the guest appearance on the last numbers on the board. Yeah, they that were. Was a pretty awesome moment, man. Yeah. For Dirk to just pop in unsolicited. Yeah. In fact, he like physically grabbed the microphone <laughs> from your hand. He, uh, so that he could just spit fire about JJ. I actually, I probably more than most people, even in the media business, I have more instances of dirt grabbing the mic out of my hand. I bet that's happened six or seven times in my life. Oh, the, the the famed Parsons interview too, right? The Parsons interview, he just knocked it out of my hands. Okay, he didn't grab now, it. Now, at the Dirk Hero Celebrity Baseball game, which if you've never been to that, we always encourage people to go to that. That happens in June of every year. There's been times where me and Ben will go out there to interview him on the field, and I'll say, now, Dirk, and he just grabs the mic, and obviously, you know, you know he's Dirk. And then it's it's the uh, it's the the post the playoff post game maneuver. He started that. You now see LeBron and all these guys do the it. Sit back, just grab the mic off the little t- mic holder, and sit back and hold court. And uh, and then also um, uh, the night that he scored thirty thousand, we did uh, an interview in arena. That went up on the the big jumbotron, and I started to ask him a question, and he just grabbed the mic and addressed the crowd. Really? Oh, yeah. This is, this is post game. Post game, okay. and it, we ran it on the Fox Sports Southwest broadcast, and then it ran in arena. But it's one of those things where it's like that's way cooler, in my opinion, than me asking dirt questions because I mean. I'm just a conduit. No one really cares what I'm going to ask him. They want to hear what Dirk has to say. People tune in to hear you talk, man. At least half a percent of 1%. But really, it's to me, it's a lot cooler for Dirk to grab the mic and do his thing because that's what we cherish, right? We cherish Dirk doing his thing. So, uh, And I think also I was so nervous. I'm glad he grabbed the mic because it kept me from just the mic shaking, you know, <laughs> as I'm just in the presence of awesomeness. So. Yeah, I've got a long history of Dirk grabbing the mic from me, man. Yeah, but like you said, people just want to give it to Dirk and get out of the way. Get out Whether the way. Whether it's the ball in crunch time or if it's uh, the microphone for okay. a post-game interview. That's a really good tease ahead. We'll talk about crunch time later in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but as we're sitting outside uh, shoot-around, the news of the day is that later tonight, you'll probably be listening to this podcast maybe on a, on a Thursday or Friday, but just know that at the time we're recording this, we just found out Dennis Smith Jr. will play against the Pistons. And what, a minute restriction? Is that what we're hearing? Yeah, unspecified. I saw from my guy Earl K. Sneed. While Rick Carlisle was talking with the media, we were talking to Kyle Collinsworth. So uh, we weren't there. But, yeah, minutes restriction probably. He's missed mm-hmm. the last six games with, I believe, a left hip strain. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. I don't really understand uh, hip injuries because I'm I'm just a young boy and I don't do any activities. As a 46 year old man, let me explain hip injuries to okay. you. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, it's probably what they would call the flexor, I believe. Okay. Uh, and a lot of it just I mean it's obviously different for 
a young great athlete you know you can do it within the course of the game and those types of things but old people deal with this crap all the time and sometimes you just wake up with it and go there's no reason for me to be injured right now i was sleeping and for the just, last it just eight hurts hours. huh it just hurts you know i just it's so pathetic i uh on game days you know usually i don't have time to go i have the radio show so a lot of times i'm throwing a suit on at noon and i'm wearing like nice dress shoes all day I'll wear nice dress shoes all day. By the end of the day, my back hurts. Oh, it kills you, man. It's so pathetic. You got to get those insoles. I do get the... It doesn't, it doesn't it, work? No, I'm you just gotta falling You got to talk apart. to our guy, Harrison Barnes. I think he is... Uh, I think he's... I think he might be able to, to hook you up. He's a big one. insole guy. I Well, I think he endorses companies that are. Okay, I, very I good. I believe. But I might be... I need I to walk in. I need to walk in there and try and ask Harrison for free stuff. Just demand it, dude. Yes. In fact, he owes you. He owes me. Yeah. I got him where he is today. Yeah. Said not me. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can't prove that he didn't. That's uh, a great point. Okay. So speaking of Dennis Smith and speaking of us, man, our podcast got some recognition. Yeah. Okay. We need to give a shout out to uh, Lawrence Scott. He does the NBA Sound System podcast. Uh, it's on NBA.com. On NBA.com. And uh, I tweeted out a link to it. I know you retweeted the link. But so as part of his podcast, he talks to people. He works for the Golden State Warriors, and he talks to people all around the league. And uh, so anyways, he talked to uh, this dude that's with Stan Socks about Dennis Smith Jr. And he played our, our very first Numbers on the Board podcast where we had that music conversation with Dennis. He's talking about Destiny's Child. Yes. And then, uh, you know, a buddy had hit me. You know, we retweeted that, and a buddy hit me up on Twitter and was like, I'd forgot that he said that about the newer R and B not having the sort of uh, chivalry to it that the, that some more of the vintage stuff kind of has. I was like, yeah, further proof that he is a thoughtful young man. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool to learn stuff about people off the court, you know. So I'm yeah. I'm glad, obviously, because it's us, so it's whatever. Cool, it can stroke our egos and whatnot. But like, it's cool that people around the country can maybe learn a little bit about Dennis absolutely wouldn't know just from watching him dunk and you know do all that stuff on the court and, and once again we're just the conduit yep we have someone interesting on the other end of that pipeline and then people get the good so it's an awesome thing yeah and we have an interesting guy that we just talked to now so uh, maybe you want to hear from Kyle Collinsworth see what he's got to say about cornrows Russia and uh getting triple doubles sounds like a plan and then on the other side let's talk crunch time joining us now is the newest Dallas Maverick Kyle Collinsworth for this year has been uh, been a double double machine with the Texas Legends. That's four of your last five. So welcome to the Mavericks, first of all. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, these last twenty four hours or so have to be a whirlwind. I know yesterday you said that around midnight you were just kind of searching through Netflix, and then you got the call that you had to come to Mavs practice the next day. Yeah. Um, so not only now are you learning the playbook, but you're also learning like well, you've been here before because you were on the, the preseason roster a couple years ago. But like how to get in the arena. What right. to do to get paid. So, I mean, like, this has to – your head kind of has to be spinning right now almost. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of new things, but I'm just trying to stay in the present, you know, lock in. Each thing I'm doing, just be there, stay focused, and not think too much about tonight's game or whatever, and just, you know, lock in in the moment. Let's get back to the real story. What was going on with Netflix? Now, have you run through all these shows? Have you seen <laughs> Stranger Things? What have, what have you taken in on Netflix? Uh, I've been watching Hawaii Five O. <laughs> it's just kind of a chill little, good little vibe for me. Really? Yeah. Is it, this is the new Hawaii Five-0 with like uh, James Caan's son on it? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the okay. new one, yep. So, so what is, what's the appeal there? Are you from Hawaii? Have you ever been a police officer? What is? What do you like about it? <laughs> no. Uh, I think just Hawaii. Okay. It's the good vibe, Hawaii. Yeah. So. You ever been? Yeah, I've been. You know, I usually go in the off-season to Hawaii or somewhere like that warm. But, yeah, 
any warm place like that, I just like it. Do you lay on a beach? Do you surf? Do you go shark hunting? What is your Hawaii vibe? Lay on a beach. Right, Don't do a whole lot, yeah. Good. Not much of a shark hunter, huh? No, no. I'm staying away from Steve sharks. been on one or two adventures. I actually went shark hunting one time, or shark fishing, I guess they say, and they do it. you do it like in the middle of the night, and I actually caught a shark. It was like, you know, a little one. Uh, this is great for audio that I'm holding my fingers up to show how big the shark <laughs> is. But the worst moment was the boat's throwing you around, and it's middle of night, you can't see. And so I'm going down. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I probably drank too much, too. So I'm going down into, I guess they call it, they call it the hole or whatever is in the middle of the boat, you know, where they have, you can rest. I go down, and the waves throw me. And I reach up because I think there's a handlebar at the top of this little staircase I'm going down. And it's freaking shark teeth mounted to the thing. So I grab it with my hand. It's 3 in the morning. I can't see. I'm inebriated. There's blood going down. Who would put shark teeth up above right isn't that a bad what's the worst thing what's the worst mistake you've ever made from a decorating standpoint oh jeez strictly from a decorating standpoint yeah like have you ever put shark teeth above an entrance or uh, maybe you have like some lava lamps that that are stupid looking you know one time uh, I was boating and have you ever surfing behind a boat oh yeah you throw the rope back and you stay behind the weight uh huh and uh, I still had the rope and I crashed and then the rope got caught around my arm and just ripped Luckily for me, the rope let go, but I have a huge scar on my arm. Really? But, yeah, that was pretty stupid. You could have had, like, jacked up rotator cuff yeah, so and stuff. Yeah, or get my whole shoulder declawed. That's happened before. So Okay, you're looking, at, you're looking at your left. I haven't seen you shoot. Are you a right-handed shooter? Yeah. Okay, so at least it wouldn't have jacked your shot up. Yeah, no. So it, you can still I, get buckets. Still yeah. Still get buckets. But, yeah, and that was probably one of the, like, moments where you're like, man, like, that could have been really, really bad. <laughs> okay, so back to aesthetics for a second. You're a great Twitter follow. It's a big rush of five, right? Yeah. That's where people can find you on Twitter. So following you and uh, your guy, Jamil Morney, yeah, Full Course Meals, absolutely. another world-class Twitter follow. Uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, I believe it was last season, uh, you made the transition to cornrows, man. Yeah. So can you tell us why that happened, the genesis of that whole thing? And also, I mean, how confident were you uh, whenever you are balling with cornrows? Yeah, I mean, I was white Iverson out there, but <laughs> <laughs> a little you know, I just did it for fun. You know, I back where I'm from, there's a lady who she's really good at him. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna try it out. Rock it. Didn't last very long. I knew it wouldn't, but I was like, why not? Did it hurt? To... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> did, it, did it hurt? Okay, so I've always been curious about this. Did it hurt only when it was having when you were having it done, or like literally After, all the time? I had like a 48 hour headache, just straight. It, it, it's it hurts. The but price of fashion. Yeah, but it was worth it. You did it for the gram, man. Yeah, 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 the price for yeah. the gram. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. You said back from where you're from. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Utah, Provo. Okay, and so did you always want to go to BYU? Was that- uh, no. Okay. I went there because my older brother was there and my best friend okay. at the time, Brandon Davies. So, uh, Brandon Davies, yeah. yeah. Big time Uber. Yeah, so he, so we all you know, basically grew up in the same house together in high school. So and we teammates in high school so we all just my older brother went there first and then Brandon followed and then I was the youngest so I followed after that so it's a sneaky good basketball school people always talked about the football program but like I'm an old dude so like in the 80s they were great they yeah. just do Devin Durant that could just absolutely yep. fill it up BYU always had these really underrated that was my coach in seventh grade is yeah. that right Devin Durant yeah how about that so yeah. he probably taught you how to get buckets man yeah I played at his son to my age so he was a good buddy of mine oh, so. he was a big time scorer yeah he was and Jimmer's killing it in China right now and yep. he tweeted Jimmer Fredette he tweeted kind of a congrats to you do you have a, yeah. do you have a relationship with him at all yeah I played 
I was a freshman when he was a senior, so we had a good squad. We had me, him, Brandon Davies, you know, and a few other guys. Tournament run, right? Yeah, Sweet 16. So, nice. great team. So, yeah, I know Jim really well. And in the off season, you know, we see each other come back to BYU. So. He's filling it up in trying to skin. That's he what he did. Like Forty points regularly. Yeah, that's He's what awesome. he does. Yeah, he's okay. a big time shooter. So your style, you're not as much of a scorer as a guy like Jimmer. Right. Uh, with the Legends, I think you're averaging what, like 13 points, eight rebounds, yeah. five, six assists. You're getting a lot of double doubles, points, rebounds. Uh, so kind of, could you explain to people who maybe haven't seen you play before, what is your playing style? What are what are your strengths, and what are kind of some of your big areas of improvement that you've been making? Yeah, strengths for sure for my position, rebounding. You know, it's kind of crazy at BYU. I lead. Uh, the school and assist and rebounding all time. Really? So yeah, so that's that's something that's always, you know, it it gets me going on the court when I can rebound because I can rebound and then there's no outlet to yeah. bring the ball up the floor. And what I do best is get in the lane, you know, to create for myself or for others and just get guys shots. So. And I want, uh, you know, our folks listening, you know, Mav fans to kind of visualize our Maverick team. You know, Rick always loves it when Wesley or Harrison get a rebound and push. So that totally yeah. fits right into the style. Yeah. Did, do you find that your assist numbers sort of correlate with your rebound numbers? Are you getting a lot of, like, transition assist and secondary yeah, offense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just find when I rebound well, like, everything else usually falls into place. It's just something, you know, I worked with a sports psychologist in college, and we helped pinpoint that, and it kind of, you know, broke down cues, what triggers me to rebound, all that, you know, scientific stuff. And I found when I rebound, everything else seems to fall into place, so. That will make a coach very happy. You Heck do, yes. You do the little things right, you'll do the big things right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about, so your shooting from the legend standpoint, the numbers have improved. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I know Coach McKinnon reasonably well. I love talking basketball with him. Yeah. And he's he's a good shooting coach. Absolutely. So I'm assuming he had a little bit of impact on that. Yeah, there's absolutely. What he's great about is just getting the reps up and also letting you get game reps up, and that's huge. I mean, you can shoot – Thousands, thousands of shots, but if you don't take game reps. Explain game reps to the listener. Just, I mean, I truly believe one game rep is equivalent to 100 practice shots. Mm. You just can't, you can't simulate, you know, like actual guys, the crowd, someone closing out on you. It just, it's just different. So once you can get those game reps, you know, then things, you know, fall in, fall in the motion. You can start making progress. So that was the difference this year is I was able to get those game reps and, you know, off season, you know, I raised my shot, got it higher, and, I, you know, I worked my butt off, not only physically but mentally, visualizing all, all sorts of stuff just to get to where I'm at now. By higher, do you mean, like, your release point is higher? Yeah, like yeah. you shoot up with a higher arm? No, release point's higher. Okay, yeah, because I think, like, I almost would say, like, a higher release point would almost be bad because you've got to get more, more feet under it or something. I mean... Could you kind it, of talk through the mechanics of, of how you shoot? I mean, are you a big jumper whenever you shoot, or is it more like uh, a set shot? Or? Not huge from the three. You know, off the dribble, I jump. But just a higher release, you know, it's higher to contest, close out. You know, people get a hand out. It's quicker, too, so you can catch it and just get right up into your pocket and shoot. So it's a lot more efficient is the word I'd use. Well, when, whenever I've talked, I've talked to a lot of different coaches and shooting coaches about about shooting. And one of the first two things every time, sometimes a guy will say something different. He'll say one or the other. He'll either say release point or he'll talk about your footwork, getting your feet ready before you release your shot. And the interesting thing about a higher release point is it sort of forces the perpendicular elbow, yeah. right? So when guys shoot lower, you know, you just if you're sitting at home listening to this, put your elbow down about mid part of your body, you, your arm is going to bend. But when you get your 
release point higher, it naturally gives you that 90-degree perpendicular yep. shooting form. Yep, exactly. Did, um, so has, has your shot mechanics changed quite a bit over time, or is it just refining certain things? I think just get a higher release and just be more consistent with what I do. You mm-hmm. know, more good, less bad. There so that's been, that's been the improvement. There's been a lot, a lot, lot more good than bad, you know. The ones that miss, they're not bad reps. They just misses, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So, and you know, it's a journey every day. I'm still trying to get better and better, you know, in all areas of my game. But that's what gets you up in the morning. You know, you have something to work for. It's it's awesome because, you know, I love to play basketball. And it's nice to have something to strive for. Something I love to do, strive to, you know, to get better at every day. So one of the big things that Rick has always talked about is that. In Frisco, Bob basically runs the match playbook. There's yeah. little to no uh, differences. So do you feel like, I mean, this is your first day with the team, second day with the team, you feel like tonight, whenever you guys take on the Pistons, I mean, if your name is called, you're ready to go. I mean, are you up to speed with, with everything they're doing? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a few more plays. Uh, Bob's more, uh, we just basically can, in flow, play, you know, fast. And the reason why Bob does that is to give, you know, players more opportunities to get more shots, more possessions and stuff. So there's a lot more plays down here, but yeah, like the basic stuff, it's nice. I can imagine going to a whole new organization and just knowing nothing. So it's nice to know from the things from preseason, you know, when I was with Dallas last year and with the legends to have, you know, a jump on things. I want to know about your two-year mission. Very, yeah. you know, very common for that to happen. Yeah. Do, do you? Does it happen when you're 19? Yeah. Okay, and you went to Russia for two yeah, years. Yeah, I went to Russia. Yeah. Do you get to hoop at all? No, I didn't. I didn't hoop. That's I, crazy. I man. mean, you have like one day a week. It's called like a P day where you do laundry, kind of clean up, and all that stuff. You could hoop, but I just, I just never did. Played soccer a lot with kids, but yeah, two years off. And then, you know, I came home six months later. I tore my ACL. Oh, man. So and during, like, a four-year span, I, I didn't play basketball for, like, two and a half years. So wow. that's why, for me now, you know, I feel like I'm really starting to get in the groove of things, even though that was, you know, a while ago. I feel like catching up, you know. From, that's a, from I think that. that's a tremendous compliment to your abilities, your natural abilities. Obviously, you got to work hard to, to get yeah. where you want to go, but – that's a really un- – because those are critical development times. And for you to be in the position you're at, yeah. that's that's truly amazing, dude. Right. Yeah, I mean, I learned Russian. I'm fluent in Russian. So, from the back of my mind, if I can do that, I can do anything. Very so, useful life skill these yeah. days. Yeah. So, that – that, yeah. I don't, I don't know Russian. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that, uh, that mindset of, like, every day I woke up and I attacked Russian, you know, learning Russian, it's helped me in so many areas of my life. It took me about six months to become fluent. And then, you know, ACL injury was a six-month process, too. And so I just know, like, hey, give me six months, my shot, right? Yeah. That's what I had about. Give me six months and I can prove anything. So that's kind of the mindset I have, and I just lock in each day and visualize it happening, act as if it's already happened and stuff like that. So it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's yeah. a good lesson for all of us, really. I'm going to steal that. I've got, yeah. I got kids. I'm going to be like, kids, you can do anything. Give, I'll give you six months. I bet there's nothing you can't do. Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to be good at something, I mean, the first time you try no, it, or maybe yeah. the second or the third or the fourth. Right. You know, yeah. I've been playing basketball for 26 years, and I'm still bad at it. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you dedicate yourself to it, then you can do it. And you took two and a half years off from basketball, and you set the all-time record for uh, triple-doubles in D1. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of living proof that that, that mindset works, man. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, do you have any questions for us? Is there anything Bobby can get you? He's very useful. 
I would very is relative. <laughs> you need anything? If you need anything, have Bobby take care. Yeah, of it. Bobby, all right. Yeah. No, I think I'm good for now. Okay, you're good. Well, we can do many things, but we can't pay you. That is the one thing we can't. Yeah, do. that's all I need right now. You're gonna have to hit up Cuban for that. <laughs> yeah, he's got more, more money. Cuban. Yeah, he has more money than we have. A little bit. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kyle Collinsworth. Thank you. All right. It was great to have Kyle on, man. That that is a that is a smart guy who kind of. He seems like he has it figured out. I, I'm very impressed with him. I, I can't tell you, you know, we always talk about the importance of developmental years. For him to take the time off when he took it and still be in the position he's in, it obviously speaks to his natural abilities, but also, like, the focus that it takes to get back into the mix. I hope this is proof to everybody, like, especially if you have kids. My kids are 12 and 10, so I'm around a lot of – parents of kids that age and they're all like oh my god we've got to get him in select this and select that and I'm like you guys know that Michael Jordan didn't make varsity till his junior year right I want everybody to slow your roll if the guy's a beast he's a beast he'll find it he'll settle into his groove let's not be overbearing uh on kids for see if you can help them fall in love with it and then if they fall in love with it they'll put in the work and get to where they want to get but I can't tell you how many you know, because we're, we have the job we have, we get to talk to professional athletes. I can't tell you how many professional athletes are like, no, nah, I didn't really focus in until I was 17. You know what I'm saying? It's like people way overreact to this sort of stuff. If you have the ability and the drive to get there, you will get there. And it certainly doesn't happen, I think, from shoving a kid's head into this world when they're 12, whether they want it or not. I always feel like that's bad parenting. Yeah, absolutely. And the mindset is so important, too. It's that intangible stuff. I mean, Kyle is six foot six, and he's a very good athlete. And obviously, yeah. to make it to the NBA, you have to be a very good athlete. But how many times do we see either older players or slower players, guys who can't jump as high, they can still make it, succeed, or people who might not be talented in other arenas of life, but they still succeed in their field, too, just because they have the right mindset, the drive. Yes, the drive the to get there. They take the dedication to do it. And I think it's cool, too. You know, he, he tours ACL and – a lot of times when people suffer like serious injuries like that, they get down on themselves mm -hmm. and they maybe just they just kind of wallow for a few months. And I can't blame him for that. I mean, right. it sucks if you're pursuing your dream and you get shot down like that. But he viewed it kind of as an opportunity to like they, to focus on something, to learn something. He used his time in Russia when he couldn't play basketball to focus on learning a language, which is really hard. You know, I just thought about this. I didn't think about while we were talking to him. But, you know, when Rick Carlisle transferred to Virginia, he had a period where he was uh, ineligible to play during the transfer, and that's when he taught himself piano. Really? And I know that you've heard him play piano, right? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's exceptional. One time I walked into the bar at the Skirvin Hotel in Oklahoma City, and, you know, you walk into a bar and, like, there's good, you know, piano playing going on in the corner. I didn't look in the corner, and I, I was talking to someone. And, and then about two songs in, I turned around looked over, and it was Carlisle. I was like, God, man, he's very, very good. Yeah, and there's a YouTube video floating out there of him jamming with Bruce Hornsby. And yes. I don't mean like playing like Mary Had a Little Lamb. I mean like li like going, going. going ham. And dude, uh, Hornsby's son was actually uh, Collinsworth's teammate with the Legends. Yeah, Keith Hornsby. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the world, man, it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful it's a, place. Yeah, we're all six degrees removed from Kevin Bacon, who was, by the way, at the Boston Mavs game. Uh, whenever the Mavs were up there. So now I can say I'm zero degrees removed from the great Kevin Bacon. Congratulations, so I've, man. I've won the game. You won the game. I've won the game. Okay, You're so part of winning the game, though, Skin, mm -hmm. is pushing yourself over the finish line. Yep. And that is something that, unfortunately, this year the Mavs have just – they've come up about as as close as you can be. They've come up that short several times. In, in, crunch, in crunch time games this year – which is any time in the last five minutes where the score is within five points. Either mm -hmm. way, they have a 1-16 record, which yeah. is the worst in the NBA. 
And that is that is tough. There's been a lot of like uh, kind of wondering what is going on. Is it a personnel issue? Is it a play calling issue? Is it just dumb bad luck? I mean, what can you do? But I think um, they're kind of trending in the direction of where those losses are going to turn into wins. I think earlier this year they were like earlier this year, for example. So you can kind of cut the season in half. In fact, almost exactly in half. The first 16 games of the year up until November 17th, that was that bad loss to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. When it was like tied hitting in the fourth quarter, they lost by 30 or something. Yeah. Um, before that point, they were minus 25.5 per 100 possession in third quarters, Ooh. which is like – That's that outrageously very, bad. very, very bad. Yes, and it was usually the beginning of the third, too. Yeah, that just, just the first five yeah. minutes. Because it was the starting lineup. It was right. shaky. And then they moved Maxi into the starting lineup, and then kind of wins started coming a little bit. Since then, they're 6-9. and nine. In third quarters, instead of negative 25 and a half, they are plus 2.9. Huge turnaround. A big turnaround. Yeah. So that now moves the – whenever you're minus 25 and a half in the third quarter, you're losing games in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter almost doesn't matter because you're getting outscored by 10 points in the third quarter, and the game is right. over. Right. But now that they're – since then also, they're plus 10.2 in the first half, which is if you're 10.2 for a whole game, then – for, for a whole season two, you're like the Warriors. Right. You're very, very good. You're blowing people out. Yeah, so plus 10.2 per 100 possessions basically means you're up by like five or six points at halftime, mm-hmm. essentially, give or take, which is very good. Plus three in the third means you're holding a lead going into the fourth, and then it comes down to crunch time. Mm-hmm. And so since that since that last uh, 15 games, right, in that in that time, they're six and nine overall, but they're one and eight in crunch time games mm-hmm. with a negative 60 net rating, which is – tough it's, it's tough. tough to win games that way it is and you know i've been thinking a lot about this there's a lot of things obviously it ain't cut and dried or else the mavericks would fix it and then go win games right but one thing too is and harp always talks about this he talks about he talks about it in in conjunction with free throws at the end of games and he just kind of makes the joke that rim just got a lot smaller and there's a mentality that goes into it. And a lot of times when you're not having success, it's sort of like this feedback loop that just gets louder and louder and louder, right? And so they're dealing with that. But one of the things that, to me, this stretch is underscored is how spoiled we were for damn near a decade with Dirk and Jet closing Dude, games. no kidding. I mean, Those are two of the best ever, like, yeah. literally of all time. Right. And I want to take people back. You know, people my age will remember this. You may be too young for this, but maybe not. Uh, when Dirk and Nash and Finley first got together, you can go back and pull. I'm sure you can go to your local library and look at microfish of newspapers. Hey. Uh, or I'm sure find it online of stories and chatter on Sports Talk Radio about, well, these guys are good, but none of these guys are closers. Okay. So now here we are at the end of Dirk's career. Imagine the high level comedy of Dirk's not a closer. Like, that's the funniest joke you can say, right? It's like, man, what a dumbass. Who would ever think that? But that was a popular theme. That was a uh, popular motif of Mav's criticism in the early part of the 2000s. And then Dirk developed into a closer. And so you're not born a closer. You develop into a closer. What does closer – what does what do you mean by closer? What does that mean? Okay, so what happens is, is basically if you get, ever sit down close on an NBA game, what you'll watch is you'll watch – 
uh, one team call out a play, and then you'll watch the other bench call out the play that's being called out and try to get the defense ready to stop it. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what you're doing. High screen, backdoor, stagger. Here it whatever. comes. So it's really a lot of times it's about the counteractions and guys making reads. But my whole point is that happens in an NBA season when guys don't have time to prepare. You get to a playoff series where all you're doing is preparing for that other team. This whole idea of wrinkles and adjustments, they do happen. I think most famously, you know, in 2011 when they started setting that staggered screen for Jet with the two bigs up top, that, that, that came later in the playoffs, and boy, was that incredibly effective. And, or you can do lineup changes like Beret in the starting lineup. There's different things you can do, but my point is that the scouting is at such a high level. They know everything that you're doing, okay? And so it really comes down to a guy beating his man and making the right decision or making the shot, right? Put a guy in a position where he's comfortable with the ball and let him operate. For the longest time, it was Dirk getting the ball, ball at the elbows, for example. Can I say one thing about that? Absolutely. So- Dirk's, you think of Dirk at the elbow, what do you think of? You think of one dribble, two dribble, turnaround, fadeaway. Mm-hmm. But it's about taking that one move. So, for example, this is the context of Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. So, Barnes has that pull-up too. But Dirk, you start developing counter moves. So, yes. dribble, dribble, turnaround, pump fake, yes. let the guy hit you, and then you draw a free throw foul. and you shoot it. Yes. Or, like he did in uh, Game 2 of the Finals, where he gets the ball, left elbow, just like he always does. Dribble, dribble. Chris Bosh is playing him to shoot. He spins to over his right shoulder and lays it in with his left hand. Right. That's just a simple counter move. Yep. That, but you, so could Dirk that, do that when he was 25? No. No. He, no, had to he, do, he developed that over yeah, time. When Dirk was 25, he was playing pick and pop. Like, yes. That, was, that yes. was his entire arsenal. He was very good at it. Right. That was, that was all he could do. Right. I mean, he didn't really learn to close until like 05, 06, 07, whenever he was on his own. And, and then became MVP. Kinda, and he was and also 27 years old yes. at the time, and he just kind of figured it out. And so my whole point is then we had that for 10 years and could rely on it. And so we didn't have these conversations. I mean, there's been little dips and valleys and peaks, of course, and those sorts of things. But, you know, Dirk's not playing a whole lot down the stretch. He is sometimes, depending on matchups. But we don't have that anymore that we had for so long and took for granted. I'm sure Matt fans took it for granted. So now we're back in this stretch where it's like, now it's not just the last possession or the last couple possessions, but my whole point is there is a process in learning how to close. And the other thing is, is like as good as Beret has been, and he's been late in games at times, but if you just kind of look back over the last, you know, so, so six, seven years, whatever, Darren Williams was sort of the closer for a little bit. And before that, obviously, Jet was the closer and all these sorts of things. So Dennis Smith Jr. has no idea how to close in, in the NBA. Brea kind of knows, you know, he's done it. Um, but, but this is a new cast of characters, really, for the most part, trying to figure out how to do the things they have to do. And they're making way too many mistakes. This isn't an excuse. I'm really using this to underscore how good we had it for 10 years, 12 yeah, years. For sure. And so I have confidence that Harrison Barnes, uh, I'm not going to say he's going to be Dirk. That's no fair. That's not fair to anybody. But we'll, And he's hit some big shots for us. Will be a consistent option. I think Dennis is going to make things easier for people once he learns the NBA game. And so this cast of characters that we have, they're just it's just not that yet. They're working towards that. And, man, are they ever taking their lumps yep. as they try to get to that they spot. They for sure are. I mean, 1-16, in 16, dude. Like, the next – it's, it's almost impossible to do that. A lot of these games are literally coin flip games. And the yeah. one win was the Memphis game whenever Barnes banked in the, yes. the prayer. I mean, and they could I would easily ma- be 0-17, but they could also easily almost be like 10-7. and 7. I mean, Yes. Th- that's how close these are. Yes. And, and, you know, as you 
Look, again, we're not making excuses. This is the reality of what the situation is. I mean, we can parcels it and say you are what you are. Uh, but I don't look at it and go, well, this is so bleak. This is our fate forever. I look at it as they're working towards something, and it is frustrating. Yeah, it's what figuring it out looks like. It's like watching – you're talking about parents. It's like watching a one-and-a-half-year-old learn how to walk without yes. bumping into tables and stuff. It's you can't just, run over there and teach – they got to do it, man. Yeah, it just kind of – you figure it out. Like – a uh, good example in that San Antonio game over the weekend, um, which, by the way, San Antonio had nine offensive rebounds and some second chance points. So that was what you said was the key. To, it was a two point game. Yeah, you get one defensive rebound. Yeah, and it, maybe you're a, you're an oracle. Skin. I'm the sporacle. Ben, that's a phrase I stole from Ben. He calls himself <laughs> the sporacle when he gets predictions right. Okay, well, Sports when he gets oracle. it wrong, it's, it's, it yeah. happens. It happens. Um, Barnes gets it on the right wing late in that game, one on one with Aldridge seven, eight seconds on the shot clock, and he just kind of stared him down and took a 20-footer. I didn't like that shot, yeah. and I'm sure he didn't like that he, shot. He I would th- probably he, tell you right now he hated it. He didn't know what he was doing there. Yeah, and that's yeah. an example yeah. of, like, like I you, the 2011 finals is something we're going to talk about for the rest of our lives because it was that awesome. But yeah. there was one in game four, the, the uh, sick Dirk game. Dirk gets it on the elbow. Haslam is, like, swiping at it, and Dirk is staring at the opposite end of the floor looking at the shot clock yeah and the game clock and he's just standing there for like 10 seconds he knows exactly how much time he needs been there work. done that homie yeah, watch this hold my beer you're not taking it from me no one's you're he is like it's he might as well be in the gym by himself yeah i need six seconds to make this move right and like it takes a very long time to get to, dirk was 33 years old yeah that was going on like it takes a very long time to figure out how to do yeah. that sort of thing. So, I mean, dude, there's times where we've had players where I've watched that player and said, he ain't the one. I don't feel that with these guys. I don't feel like Harrison Barnes is not the one. I feel like he's a great player, is going to be a great player here for a long time. I have a lot of confidence in Dennis Smith Jr. I think, you know, we're just – it's it's absurd when you look at it and the Spurs and the Mavericks have done what they've done for 20 years. It's not a realistic sports arc. You know, and so these are these are the and quite honestly, if this is the toughest that it gets, I mean, I lived through the early 90s. I know what a piling bag of smoking <laughs> shit looks like. Where can we can bleep that out if we need to. I mean, we'll, we'll see where you're not even in games. No, they didn't have a one no, in 16 no, no. record in the clutch in the 90s because they were getting they were losing by 15. every. Those day. teams wouldn't have taken, you know, back then it would have been the Knicks or the Bulls uh, in two games with those teams to the down to the wire. I mean, yeah, the Mavericks lost these two games to Boston, but. Uh, you know, those were very competitive games. Dude, uh, the two games with the Spurs within a five-day period were two incredibly competitive games. Mavericks won one, they lost one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, man, you know, I know uh, I know the, the, the negative sports guys, you're making excuses. No, I'm not. We're observing what's happening, and this is the reality of hey, it. Ain't nobody making excuses. No. One thing I will say, though, too, about the end of games is, like, you, we hear uh, Carlisle talk about flow all mm-hmm. the time, rhythm, establishing rhythm. But you think of the end of games, the last, especially the last two minutes of a game. What is it? It's possession, make a basket, timeout. Yeah. Or you get fouled. Right. Or you have, like with uh, Devin the other night against uh, against who, who was in here the other night? Oh, when they like, uh, when he drove the ball. Yeah, yeah. Down three, and he's like against oh my gosh. Phoenix. Against Phoenix. Yeah. There's like. Eight seconds left in the game. Uh, do I take a three or do I drive the lane? And he just drove the lane and it just didn't. You, you know what I think happen. happened there? I haven't talked to Devin about this, but he got, in my opinion, he got fouled by Daniels up top. And I think once a player feels the contact, they finish the play. Mm. And so I Trying he got force the whistle. Right. So I think he got fouled twice on that possession. Now they're not like egregious hacks or whatever, but 
there was the blocking foul, and then he took like the little borderline Euro step looking thing to try to get to the rim. I think he got fouled a second time, but I don't fault him for that because as a player, as soon as you feel the contact, you're like, free point, stop the clock. Yeah. He didn't get the call. Yeah. And that's an example of a play where, I mean, that's kind of an extremely late game scenario where you only have five seconds to make a decision. But Carlisle is trying to teach these young guys like the importance of a possession and how to go from defense to offense and Mm -hmm. offense to defense and taking the right shots and spacing the floor so you can get back in transition. But none of that happens in crunch time. Crunch time is a different game. Right. So they're learning how to play the first 43 minutes and then they're going to learn how to play the last five. And it's, it's two different things. And, you got to go one at a time. You That's where we're at, baby. Yeah. That's where, That's we're, where at. we're at. So they will continue to figure it out throughout the season. Maybe by the end of the year, they'll turn some of those losses into wins. But in the meantime, I mean, this is kind of what it looks like. You're, you're, you're seeing them take steps, but sometimes you just don't get there. Well, happy holidays, listener. Merry Christmas to you, Bobby. Merry Christmas to you, too, Skin. I'm going to buy. you joining us on the road at all uh, the rest um, of the year? No, I don't think I have any more road games coming up. I think I'll probably be doing more studio stuff. As Greg Buckner left us behind for a glorious coaching job with the Memphis Grizzlies, How do that man. I, if they had offered me the job, I would have gone too. Yeah. So I don't blame you, Buck. Uh, so that means uh, we'll get more chances to see you on Fox Sports Southwest. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is awesome. Yeah, and I enjoy you're on it. the radio, dude. You're everywhere. I'm everywhere. And then uh, basketball season ends, and I go into a cave. Uh, but then I reemerge the next basketball season. Very, very poetic. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank bear. you guys for listening. Like Skin said, happy holidays to all of you. And we will either see you in between Christmas and the New Year's or all the way in 2018. It's very exciting stuff. Bye, everybody. This is Numbers on the Boards. Goodbye. Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corrala. 